Let us turn now to Genesis 49 in that first book of the Bible. We're nearing the end of the first book. We'll read verses 1 through 27. 1 through 27. Hear now the word of the Lord. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, you shall not excel, because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. You went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers, instruments of, cru- of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council, nor let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-pity will they hamstring an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them to Jacob, I will divide them in Jacob, and scatter them in Israel. Judah, you are a he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be upon the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion he shall rouse, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to a vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun shall dwell By the haven of the sea he shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall adjoin Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between the two burdens. He saw uh, that that rest was good and that the land was pleasant. He bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. Dan shall judge the people. As one of the tribes of Israel, Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heel so that its riders shall fall backward. I have waited for you salvation, O Lord. Gad, a troop shall trample upon him, but he shall triumph at last. Bread from Asher shall be rich and he shall yield royal dainties. Naphtali is a deer let loose. He uses beautiful words. Joseph, a fruitful bough, uh, a fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him, but his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong. By the hands of the mighty God of Jacob, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel by the God of your Father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings 
of the beasts and of the womb. The blessings of your father have excelled the blessing of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of his head of the head of him who is separate from his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey and at night he shall divide the spoil. All these were the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them, and he blessed each one according to his own blessing. May the Lord bless this reading to our good understanding. Uh, we are coming to the conclusion here of this, uh, of this book of Genesis. It's a story of God's working um, at the beginning both in the creation and at the beginning of the kingdom, the Old Testament kingdom. Uh, two, two beginnings, really, in this story. We're coming to the, the end of that, and, and so it's good to, um, to follow Jacob as he summarizes through this benediction over his sons. It's a prophetic benediction because he's blessing them, but he's also indicating certain things about them. And as we, as we study this, as we think about this, it helps us to reflect on our own families and how uh, we put so, we put so much energy into these families of ours, into our children, but what we put in is not always it's not always uh, equated to what comes out. And you may love a, a son or a daughter very much, and yet they may disappoint you greatly, or you may be somewhat disappointed in a son, <clears throat> thinking that he's somewhat disobedient, um, the rascal of your clan. And yet that son may turn out to be the, uh, the most dependable part of your progeny. So this, this, this benediction that Jacob puts upon his family is very, very intriguing. And hopefully it would drive us inward in our minds and our hearts, inward so that we might seek the Lord more for our families. Because we realize covering all of this, we realize how sovereign God is. And God does, does whatsoever he pleases in the midst of our families. You notice how at the very end of this, he says he blessed each one according to his own blessing. This is another, nothing other than a celebration of what in Calvinism we call particularism. Uh, particularism is the fact that God has a particular or special or unique way of dealing with every single person that he's ever created. And when we hear that, it should drive us to our knees and it should encourage us to seek his face. Lord, bless me. Bless me in my election, hopefully. And then bless me in, your, in the, the Son, even Jesus Christ. Uh, do not allow me, O oh Lord, to wander or to, be, uh, to, to, to not be focused upon thee. But bless me particularly, specially, as thou dost conceive of me. The, the Psalms 1 um, 112, I think it's verse 8, says that the, the righteous shall be in God's everlasting remembrance. And so that should be our desire, to be in the everlasting remembrance of the Lord, that he might behold us, that he might look upon us with his blessing, with his evangelical blessing in his Son, even Jesus Christ. For in him we shall be blessed. So let us look at this passage then with that with that kind of a summary, let us or uh, you know, let us look at this passage and uh, and consider it. Now I've got I've got the passage divided into three sections. Genetics often fail, 
Humble goals can be glorious, and gospel and kingdom can't be beat. <clears throat> the first part of that, genetics often fail. Uh, this sees that this text is kind of divided between those families, those clans, those heads of clans, those patriarchs, who were generally blessed, and those, uh, well, I should say specially blessed, and then those who were generally blessed. Of those who were specially blessed, we have uh, Judah in verse uh, 8 and Joseph in verse 22. 8 and 22. For some verses after both of those sections, we see how Judah was especially blessed. And, and then we see in verse 22 and following how Joseph and his clan were specially blessed. And the blessing, the blessing on Judah seems to be uh, for um, political rule. And the blessing on Joseph seems to be on, on spiritual rule or spiritual blessing. So we'll, we'll get to that. But if we hold those two apart and see the special nature of their blessing, then we consider the others. And, uh, uh, and of that group, there are those who seem to have some, um, some more negative casts over their lives. And then for another group, there is... Um, they're just they're not extraordinary, but they seem nonetheless they, they there are more blessings there. There may be only one or two verses considering these men, but it seems like more of a happy blessing, whereas some of the their other brothers um, received uh, a kind of an unhappy. So uh, the, the the first two the first two um, uh, parts are uh, considered here one and two, and then. When we get to Judah and Joseph, we go to three. So first of all, the, the fact that, um, remember when, jo when Jacob started having children, that um, the children poured forth from Leah and her servant woman, uh, even as they were restrained from Rachel. In fact, I mean, Joseph was married, Jacob was married to Leah for seven years before he was married to Leah, to, jo to Rachel. And so there was obviously more opportunity, more years of childbearing that preceded this. But um, these were the, as, as, as Jacob speaks here of, of uh, Reuben and, and Simeon, he speaks of them as the children of his youth or the, the initial children of, his, of he and uh, his wives. And he says, uh, Reuben, you were my firstborn. My might in the beginning of my strength, excellent, the excellency of dignity and excellency of power uh, were, were in you and on you and manifest in you. So that you can think, think of this younger man with his younger wife, Leah, and how um, as they had these, these first children, they were invigorated by their strength. But what happens here is that that this, this human strength of Jacob and Leah do not add up to an automatic blessing of spiritual power in their lives. In fact, it's just the opposite. And um, even though they were, they were first born, it reminds us of the words of Jesus, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. But we, we say to Jesus, who art thou to decree who shall be first and who shall be last? But is that not his decree? Is that not exactly what he said? And this mirrors that, because here we have Reuben, the oldest and the firstborn. Uh, and Jacob speaks of his strength, but then in verse 4 he says, 
unstable as water, you shall not excel, because you went up to your father's bed and you defiled it, and uh, he went up to my couch. And so he he reviews or reprises one of the cardinal sins of Reuben, and and that after his mother died. Uh, he went uh, to one of her concubines, and uh, many uh, a number of the boys had sexual sins in their lives, and this was one of Reuben's. And so, uh, God, God through Jacob blesses uh, Reuben, but He draws attention to the, the this great failure in Reuben's life, and because of that failure, He says that, that failure, in a sense, was a kind of prophecy over Reuben's whole life, and that there would be less glory with Reuben than with someone like Judah or Joseph. Uh, then he mentions uh, Simeon and Levi. Now, we know Levi is very famous for being the father of the priesthood. Remember, if you were, you were, were going to be a priest, you had to come out of that family, and the, the family of Aaron, uh, the high priest, came out of this family of Levi. He was one of the children of Levi, so this the, the, Levi represents the priesthood or the religious order of Israel. And it's really surprising here that Levi is not mentioned as one of the extraordinary children, is he? Uh, he too is brought down by this uh, skepticism of prophecy. Le Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Instruments of cruelty. Here he mentions the two boys and then immediately the idea of cruelty. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united with their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I, do, I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So they would not amount to a real strong tribe in, in Israel. And especially the, these words over Levi's head remind us of sometimes the toxicity of the church, the toxicity of the religious institutions which are supposed to carry along the traditions of the Lord. It seems completely ironical. Why are not the why are not the pre why is not the priestly tribe, that tribe which was committed to the word of God, why is that tribe not a more sophisticated in its sanctification. Why does it not lead the pack? Why does the spirit not uh, completely dominate in a wonderful way? But unhappily, we remember in the history of Israel that many of the priests uh, failed. The priests like Levi with his sons, and the sons of Levi became uh, tokens and agencies of wickedness within the nation of Israel. We cannot, uh, we cannot uh, just think that because things are religious, that they are blessed. We've been studying in our Sunday school class afterwards, after the service. We've been studying Machen's Christianity and liberalism. And, and that's the whole, the whole story is about uh, the, how the Church of America became more and more decrepit, more and more uh, unsustained, more and more weak, more and more dysfunctional until... It became a separate religion from what it was. And we see the same thing in the nation of Israel, of how the Levitical priesthood and the Aaronic priesthood for that, for that, in that regard, degree, how they uh, both deteriorated until when the Messiah came, it was not from the ranks of the Levites 
or the Aaronic priesthood, but it was from the ranks of the common six-day laborers, from the fishermen, from the, from the disciples of Jesus Christ. It was from them that the power of the church arose and manifested itself. And so we see, uh, down through the ages, we see a, uh, an ironic uh, weakness in the church structures, in the, um, in the bureaucracy of the church, and we see that manifested here in Israel also. Uh, it's not that you never see any priests that arise that are good. Uh, there was a priest that helped David and saved his life when he was running from Saul. So there are many decent priests. We know that uh, when when Jesus has announced that uh, that it was a, pr- a New Testament priest or a priest that remained in the priesthood until the coming of Christ, um, that that uh, and he and his wife who were given prophecy about Jesus and welcomed him and. Uh, Uh, his wife's baby, John the Baptist, leapt within her womb when she came into the presence of the pregnant Mary. These things are wonderful, but we need to be wary of the church. And for those people who uh, assume that innocence and, and the goodness are found in the church, it's a sad reminder that these things are historically not so. And yet God blesses through it. God blessed through Levi. God blessed through Aaron. Jesus Christ is the second, considered the second Aaronic priest. But we see here that Christ improves upon this, his Levitical family ties, doesn't he not? He improves upon them greatly. He perfects this tribe of Levi, but not until later. And so we see these first, two, these first three tribes are... are uh, in many ways, signal failures, considering the strength with which they started. Then we look at um, the uh, the humble, the more humble clans, and we see that after Judah, we see that starting in verse thirteen with Zebulun and Issachar, Dan, and Gad and Asher. Uh, these six, uh, these six brothers that were that were not as great as Judah and Joseph, but they were, they were blessed still. And uh, there's nothing really negative mentioned about them, maybe a hint or two, but by and large, we see God's hand upon them. They were not as prominent, but they had more success in many ways. And this should be a lesson to us that we don't, we don't need prominence. To, to have success. Many, one of the great, one of the, I should say, one of the terrible dimensions of the human personality is ambition. And this thought that unless we rise above our brothers, uh, we will not really be important. If we, if we don't, if we, if we are not able to escape our anonymity, woe be us. Well, here we have six tribes that are more or less anonymous, and yet, we see God's blessing upon their head. Zebulun shall dwell by the haven of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships. Zebulun occupied the shoreline of, of, of Israel. And today, the major cities like Tel Aviv rise. Up. Now, Tel Aviv is not a port city, but it's, in the, it's toward the east. And it, and it rises up from uh, a couple of the smaller port cities of, uh, of Israel. Israel was not a great seagoing nation, never was. Uh, we, we look to the, uh, the Phoenicians in the northern part of the northern border of Israel to see the, this fantastic seafaring people. But Israel did have its coast. It did have its, uh, its uh, 
ports. And so Zebulun was positioned there. And there were blessings associated with that. Uh, Issachar, Issachar, he says, is a strong donkey lying down between two burdens. He saw that rest was good and that the land was pleasant. He bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. Well, there's a hint of a shadow there over Issachar's life, but by and large, um, it shows him in a good light. Dan, we know Dan was the southernmost tribe of Israel. Dan uh, occupied the southern flank of Israel. And uh, Dan was a pretty tough cookie because uh, the, the southern border of Israel was exposed to Egypt and a number of other of Israel's enemies. Uh, but Dan seems to have held up well. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels. So that invaders and that sort of thing, they had a hard time. Dan was a very militant tribe. And it protected Israel's southern flank rather well. It was like kind of a viper. And uh, when, when people tried to invade Israel from the south, they often found difficulties. And uh, they were most often invaded from the north and the east, uh, from uh, Babylon and Syria and these kinds of places. Uh, on verse 19, Gad, he says, a troop shall tramp upon him, but he shall triumph at last. So Gad is seen also in a militaristic summit, uh, metaphor, but uh, as one who was triumphant. Then he speaks of 20, uh, 20 of Asher. He said, Asher shall be rich and he shall yield royal dainties. So Asher seems to be a, a tribe that was more cultured, uh, given to uh, foodstuffs and these kinds of things, uh, perhaps prospering the whole of the nation through their wares. And then lastly, Naphtali. Naphtali is a deer let loose. He uses beautiful words. Another tribe that was spoken of, and A. Jacob was saying that it would mature in a kind of a, in the, in the way of beauty, the way of uh, ability. And so... Um, everybody likes to see deer in the meadows along the tree line and so it was with Naphtali so first of all we see that genetics often fail and you can see that in the children secondly we see that sometimes the humble or the, the uh, ordinary uh, can be glorious so that's something to learn from this and then lastly we see where gospel and kingdom can't be beat uh, because in Joseph and in Judah, we see both gospel and kingdom uh, personified. And there are some qualities of both of these associated with each. But in the main, the, the main promises that are given to Judah have to do with the office of the king of Israel. And in terms of Joseph, it has to do with the overall spiritual strength of this tribe. When we look at Judah, then we see what the Bible says about it. Um you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be upon the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. Now, a whelp is a young lion, a baby lion. So Judah is like a baby lion from the prey, my son, you have gone up. He's grown. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? It's a rhetorical question. Mean nobody. Nobody's going to rouse uh, Judah. Judah is going to have a strength. And we know when the nation divided, it divided between Judah and Ephraim in the north. And we know that Ephraim and the north succumbed first to the pagan threats of their neighbors. Judah held out the longest, so that long after the northern ten tribes were gone, Judah remained a, 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 a stable and strong 
a, na a nation of Israel or for Israel, a tribe for Israel, and um, and uh, for uh, these ten tribes of the north, for those that were that lived by faith, they migrated to Judah when their tribes were vitiated and taken away by their sin. Then the, the good people of these ten tribes migrated south and became a part of the tribe of Judah. They took up their living there. And so uh, 9 says, There's a lion who shall rouse him. That makes this grand prophetic statement in verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. This means that the, the scepter of rule, the scepter of kingship, would not depart from Judah uh, for the whole history of Israel uh, until Shiloh comes. And Shiloh is a metaphor for both the Messiah and the, the one who would bring about ultimate peace in Israel. And so we see that all the kings of Israel can be traced to Judah um, uh, that were, that were um, uh, on the throne and uh, <clears throat> Not the kings, uh, not the kings of um, of the northern ten tribes, the tribe of Ephraim, or the tribe, the other tribes of the north, but the tribes of Judah. And uh, Judah lasted until the kingdom was uh, destroyed, even in uh, seventy A.D. when Jesus made his appearance. So these were extraordinary prophecies about this tribe of Judah. And um, uh, when people talk about how Christianity ought to be only spiritual, that it ought to have no manifestation in the world. This verse, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, is often quoted as a remedy to, to show that God had designs upon the political rule of this world and how he had foreordained that, that Judah would be that patriarch that who would uh, set the standard and all of the future kings would come from Judah's loins. And so that's a wonderful thing. Uh, then we turn to Joseph and we see that the blessings are even greater. They're, they're not so much having to do with this world, but having to do with the spiritual things. He says, Joseph is our fruitful. My translation says bow, yours may say branch. But uh, Joseph is a fruitful branch, a fruitful branch by a well. He bran His branches run over the wall. And then it says the archers have gr bitterly grieved him, shot at him and hated him. But his bow remained in strength. Is this not an allusion to his brothers and how they they shot at him? They, in a sense, tried to kill him by selling him into slavery with these pagans. But Joseph's bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. So this is the first son upon whom God is mentioned in terms of this blessing, uh, this uh, it, uh, the benediction over his head. Uh, here, the the, 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 might, the hands of the mighty God are going to be seen in his life. Uh, and from here, there, uh, from there, it is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Th these, Joseph is a type for Jesus Christ. And so in Joseph's spiritual strength and his inner strength, we see a prophecy of one who is coming, another son of Jacob, but this one named Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ. By the God, by the God of your Father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you with the blessings of heaven above. You see all these spiritual things. It's the first time that any of the boys 
that God has spoken specifically about theologically about the blessings. Blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts of the womb, the blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound in the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who is separate from his brothers. And so you see how special the, the spiritual blessings were upon Joseph. With our children, we cannot control who is going to be a Judah, who is going to be a Joseph, who is going to be a Reuben. And so when we get married, we ought to pray, Lord, help me, bless me with these children of mine. I know that my strength of will ultimately will not be the strength that will sway the day. Do we not depend upon the living God and his strength or the strength of our families? Is this not a lesson that we should learn? I, either earlier on in the book of the story of Genesis with Abraham or now later with the story of Joseph and the blessings upon his children's heads? Uh, should we not learn these things? And I think, of course, we should. And if not, then we go forth rather naively. These, these themes are writ large in the, this book of the Bible and then the development of the patriarchal families. It's writ large. How can we be blind and deaf to its themes? And so, and so we should. <clears throat> now, um, uh, in closing here, we see that uh, these, this was a blessing, despite any negatives that were found here. This was a blessing. We see the way Jacob ends it up in verse 28. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father spoke to, uh, to them. And he blessed them, and he blessed each one according to his own blessing. So we see here that there's a general blessing upon Israel. We see that there's a particular blessing upon Israel, and, and even within that particularism, there is a greater particularism, which we see upon Judah and Joseph and, uh, and the other sons as they were blessed by the Lord. And so we ought to take this very seriously for ourselves and how we rear our families, how we think of our families. We ought to take this very seriously as we consider the kingdom of God, because um, this this family history is is amazing. It was picked out to be the carriers of this spiritual seed or the spiritual gene that by which God wanted to affect all the people of the earth. And so the whole family was blessed in a, in a general way and then in a principal way. And yet within that within that blessing. There was all kinds of evil and all kinds of laxity and dullness and things that just languished in the family bloodlines. And uh, these are great lessons for us as brothers and sisters in the Lord to pray for each other. When we pray for each other's children, when we see children develop and uh, we see how we are developing, these are great things to have in mind and to pray for and to, to implore uh, the Lord about. Uh, we are, uh, in, in this way, we, we see that Israel was uh, definitely in the world. They were definitely really people. They were physical people. They were real life human beings. They were in the world. But the best of them were not of the world, as Jesus says in the New Testament. 
let us be so ourselves. Let us have spiritual aspirations ourselves. Let us open the word of God and let it affect us so that we see the grand themes of the Bible, so that we might want to worship the living God, the true God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Our Father and our God, we pray that that this would be our lot, that we would see ourselves through the lives and the lens of these patriarchal figures. We pray, O Lord, that through the, the anguish of their development, that we might be ready for our own anguish, that we might be ready for our own sanctification as thy spirit brings it to us. Bless us, O Lord, in this way. In Jesus' name we pray, that name above all of the names given to him by the Father, In his name we pray, amen.